Hello, people of the way. Uh, if you turn with me to Leviticus chapter 12, we're going to continue in our study through the law. Uh, and I, I always have to say, not, in, uh, not that I am uh, advocating that we perform the works of the law, but to understand what the law is showing us. Now, if we were, if, uh, if this, this uh, chapter, it's only eight verses, so it'll be nice and quick, nice and quick. <laughs> we'll see, you know, Lord willing, but we'll see. Uh, Lord willing, either direction, whether it be short, whether it be long, you know, that's for him to decide. But, you know, I have to give, if, if I were giving this sermon um, 10 years ago, I would tell parents, I would give a little warning to parents and say, hey, uh, uh, you might want, not might not want to have your kids hear this, you know, have them, you know, go, uh, I don't know, uh, do whatever, you know, but I don't say that anymore. And I'm going to refuse to say that. I'll leave that at the discretion of parents, whether or not you want kids to hear these messages, these particular rules and statutes in the law about bodily discharge, uh, both male and female. Today in chapter 12, we're going to look at the female aspect, but don't forget, we're going to get into pretty soon the male aspect. I have strong convictions about the things that we're going to discuss, the things that we're going to lay out. And, you know, I have a, I don't want to sound crass, okay, that I, uh, and I don't, I don't think I'm crass. I, I don't think, I've been told that, you know, oh, I don't like you saying it this way. I don't like you saying this, you know, but I have to tell you guys, the world has calloused me to certain sensitivities, um, uh, in some ways, I don't like it. Uh, mostly when I don't like it, it's because it, there's a little whisper in my ear and a satanic whisper in my ear to, you know, hey, you know, you think God can love you because look at what you did in the past. You think you can do these things for the Lord? Look how filthy you are. That's my battle. Okay, that's, that's part of my fight. Just the same way you have your own battles, your own fights. I'm the one that has to say, you know, get behind, get behind me, Satan. I'm the one that has to say, you know, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. When these thoughts, it's part of my battle. And I have people in my life that, uh, that help me in this fight. And it's so beautiful because, you know what, you have your own battles. You have your own fights, whether it be fill in the blank. But I do have certain callousnesses to the world. Uh, it's something that the Lord rescued me from when he pulled me out of Egypt, the same way he pulled you out of Egypt, when he pulled you out of bondage, the same way he pulled me out of bondage. And a lot of times, you know, I've been told by Christians, you know, oh, I don't like how you say it this way. Can you not, can you not mention this? Can you not say it like this? Can you not do it like this? You know, you're too hardcore. You're too hardcore. Well, a lot of times, you know, when people tell me, oh, you're too hardcore about these convictions, it, I'm kind of laughing in my heart because I want to respond and say, you have no idea how hardcore it is that, you know, our walk with the Lord can be. And you don't know how far I take these certain convictions, especially in regard to men. We're not going to touch on the topic of men today, but when we do, and I might say a little something about it. And when I do, I want to ask my beautiful, beautiful sisters in Christ to extend me some grace. You know, these, a lot of men today, 
fall in certain areas with regard to sexual things and bodily discharges. And I'm specifically speaking about, you know, semen. And we're going to discuss that further in the law. But what we're going to see is we're going to see things in the law that the Lord doesn't like. We're going to see a picture of his perspective on things. And if you're a man listening to this message, whether, you know, I don't care how old you are. You might be a young man. You might be a teenager. And I really don't care. You might be an 80-year-old. And I don't care how old you are, how young you are. But if you're a man listening to these, my words, you know, we're going to touch on the topic of uh, semen in a couple chapters. And we're going to see God's perspective on things. I talk with a lot of men, you know, like young kids, you know, teenagers and, you know, teenagers who, when I was a youth leader, teenagers that I spoke with and now they reach out to me because, you know, they're older now. And some of them are, you know, starting their marriages. And we talk about the subject of masturbation. We talk about the subject of one night stands and loose living. And I've talked with, you know, young men before. They say, oh, you know what? I'm, you know, I'm sexually attracted to this lady, you know, or this girl. And we have, uh, you know, they're young men with a, a young girlfriend. And they say like, you know, uh, I'm so attracted. I'm physically attracted to this. I say, hey, you got to cut it off. It's not right before the Lord. Because sex is beautiful in the eyes of the Lord in the confines of marriage. And a lot of men have problems with pornography. A lot of men have problems with masturbation. A lot of men get their girlfriends, you know, and they do their sexual stuff with them. And then, you know, a week later, they're on to the next. Loose living. And I've talked with these men before, young men. They say, oh yeah, it's okay, she's on the pill. It's okay, she's taking her, you know, whatever the pill, you know, she takes, I don't know how that works, but you know, you take a pill and you don't get pregnant. And they say, wow, look, you know, she's on the pill. It's okay, it's okay. No, that's even worse. That's even worse. That means that this woman that you're with is a death trap for your seed. That's what it means. You say, oh yeah, it's okay. She's not going to get pregnant. She's on the pill. That's even worse, my friend. Because who you claim to be beautiful, that's a vessel of murder for your seed. And I've told this to young boys before, young men. They show me pictures. They're like, oh, but, you know, look at her. Look at look how beautiful she is. Look at she looks like this. What am I supposed to do? Am I, like an idiot say, oh, oh, it's okay. Let's put God aside and let's look at her appearance. No, that's stupid. That's the counsel of fools. I don't care what she looks like. I don't care, you know, size, shape. I don't care. Because we're talking about the Lord. And what is right in his eyes. And I think it's so funny sometimes because a lot of guys are like, yeah, look at my girlfriend. She's so cute. Look at my girlfriend. She looks like this. You know, I'm going to marry her. It's like, okay, you know, we talk about certain things. They go, go ahead and get married. Yeah, look at my wife. She's 20. Look how beautiful she is. Okay. 
Yeah, look at my wife. Look how beautiful she is. She's 30. Yeah, look at my wife. Look how beautiful she is. She's 40. Well, you know what happens in time, in the course of time? Wrinkles. Wrinkles start to set in. Chubbiness starts to set in. And what I love about the Word of God is how the Lord says, Hey, remember the wife of your youth. Remember the wife of your youth. So like, you know, your wife is 50, 60, 70, 80, and a lot of men, old men, you know, they have an eye for younger women. They have a carnal liking for younger women. And the word of God says, remember the wife of your youth when your wife was 20, when your wife was 30. I love how the word of God puts it, how the Lord teaches us. But the question is, who has eyes to see and ears to hear? That's why you see a lot of married women in the church today. They're basket cases straight up. And, you know, for my sisters in the Lord, I love you guys, you ladies. But a lot of ladies that I've seen in the church are just basket cases, emotional wrecks. You know why? Because at age 20, you get married. At age 30, you get married and your marriage is continuing. And you spend all this time pleasing the flesh of your husband. You know, a carnal husband at age 20, at age 30 says, oh yeah, my wife has to look like this. And so you guys get old together. You start to get old. You know, 20, 30, and you spent all these years, you've invested all this time, wife, all this time in pleasing the carnal nature of your husband. You know, I got to look like this. I got to put on my fake eyelashes. I got to wear my makeup like this. I got to do my hair like this. I got to have my body look like this. Which I would say don't do. I mean, if you're young, cut it out. If you're old, Cut it out. But all this time is spent pleasing the carnal nature of a husband. And so the husband is like, yeah, yeah, I love my wife. You know, she looks like this. Yeah, I love my wife. Look at her makeup. Yeah, I love my wife. You know, look at how she dresses. I love my wife. Look how she looks. It's like, it's carnality. What happens, wife, when you're 40, 50, 60, 70? You spent all these years pleasing the flesh, the carnal nature of your husband. Well, what happens when your body gives out? When the wrinkles set in, you start to get, you know, love handles. And all this time, your husband has been pleased carnally. What's he going to look to? You know, it blows me away because... You know, a lot of women I speak to, they say, I want my marriage to last. I want my marriage to last, though. And if I don't look like this, my husband's going to leave. If I don't look like this, my husband fights with me. If I don't perform like this, my husband's going to leave me. You know, your body's going to fail. And if you're going to please the flesh, if you're going to please the carnal nature of your husband... I don't want to hurt your feelings or rub me the wrong way, but you're not much of a helper. You're not much of a helper if you're going to please the flesh. 
you're not much of a helper if you're going to appease the carnal nature of your husband. And then I talk with a lot of men. They say, oh yeah, happy wife, happy life. And then they laugh. And in my heart of hearts, I'm not laughing. In my heart, I hear a man, I hear a husband say, happy wife, happy life. And in my heart of hearts, I'm thinking, this guy's an idiot. He said, oh, well, that's too harsh. What do you mean an idiot? Well, it's biblical. Idiotes in the Greek. Don't be an idiotes, men. Don't be an idiotes, women. A lot of men, happy wife, happy life. You know what I say? Your wife is your God. Your wife is your God. You know what's better? I'll show you a better way. I'll tell you about a better way. Please the Lord. Please the Lord. Make him happy. And then your life will be well. Male, female, doesn't matter. Please the Lord. That's why you see these old women in Christ. Their husband leaves them for a younger woman. Kills me. You know, you social media, you see a guy, oh yeah, here's my new wife, I'm getting married. What in the world? When you look at the old wife, she's all old, wrinkly, chubby. All these people, oh, congratulations, that's so awesome, you know, God bless you, God bless you. Oh yeah, this is so beautiful. What? Crazy. Straight up crazy. Husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church. Remember the wife of your youth. When you're 50, 60, 70, I don't care how old you are. I don't care how old your wife gets. You have a picture of your wife when she's 20? Remember, that's the wife of your youth. Beauty fails. That's why I always tell people, you know, I mean, if you're going to strive after beauty in accordance with the world, you're in a world of trouble. Don't do that. And a lot of men have sexual problems. You have carnal pastors who have sexual problems. You have carnal pastors who tell their churches, hey, wives, husbands, married people, everybody, men, husbands have problems with pornography because the wife lets herself go. So it's her fault now. You have a dumb husband? An idiotes husband? And it's your fault, wife. Because you let yourself go. You don't dress this way. You don't look this way. You don't work out. You have Your love handles are too big. You don't dress this way. You don't want to put on your makeup. You don't wear your makeup like this. You don't put on your fake eyelashes. That's pastoral counsel. I, I, I do air quotes for pastoral. I call it hireling counsel, wolf counsel. We're living in a very, very evil age. Very evil, evil days that we live in. And it's getting worse and worse and worse. And you know what's so cool about it? The hirelings, the wolves, the shills, they're being exposed for who they are.
And, you know, we're going to get on the topic of male discharge, semen. And a lot of guys, oh, it's okay. I'm not getting her pregnant. She's on the pill. You're allowing your seed to be murdered. Men. If you want to call yourself a man. You're allowing your seed to be murdered in this vessel, which you call beautiful. I don't call it beautiful. I call it wretched and disgusting. I don't care what she looks like. Wretched, disgusting, gross, filthy, stench, the whole nine yards. I don't care what she looks like. And a lot of, you know, young men, oh, but look at her, look at her. And like a fool, what am I going to say? Oh, it's okay, let's, you know, forget what the Bible says. Forget what the Lord teaches us. It's okay. She's, she looks like this, so it's okay. That's stupid. Foolishness. That's what's cool about being a new creation in Christ. Reckoning the old man dead, reckoning the old woman dead. Because you could have all kinds of preconceived notions about whatever topic. You read the Bible and the Lord tells us, you know, his opinion on things. I shouldn't even say his opinion. He tells us what his stance is on certain topics. And this is from the law. And today we're going to talk about, you know, the female aspect of things. And we're going to talk more about the female aspect in future chapters. We're going to talk hardcore about the, the male aspect. And you might want to shelter your If you have kids, you know, you might want to say, hey, you know, uh, don't listen to this message. I don't encourage that. I say, you know, have your kids listen. You know why? Because they're taking kindergartners now and teaching them sex education. Kindergartners. I mean, I, I, my parents didn't teach me about, you know, the birds and the bees. The streets did. I mean, I don't know the, what age I was, but I was young. I don't know. First grade, second grade, I don't know. It was young. I know it was before third grade. So first grade, second grade. You know, it's younger now, kindergarten. And kids need to be taught these things because they are the next generation of righteousness. They need to understand these things and have a grasp on certain things. Have a strong grasp of things, especially when it comes to sexuality. Because you know what? The world is coming against us as Christians, as part of the bride of Christ. The world is coming against us. And it's going to get worse. This is nothing. This is just like the beginning. It's going to get worse and worse and worse as the days get more evil, evil, evil. A lot of guys think, okay, masturbation is okay. No, it's not. Pornography, it's okay. No, it's not. Oh, you're so mean-spirited. I don't like how you say this. Well, you can say that. Don't judge me lest you be judged. Oh, you can say that. But I've taken the plank out of my own eye, friend. I don't say that pridefully. 
There are people that the Lord has to say, wait, this guy is able to correct you. This woman is able to correct you. You know why? Because they're not a hypocrite. They're not a hypocrite. You know, we're going to talk about this subject of blood. Blood for the woman who has a baby. This is like the beginning of the actual body body discharge. You know, uh, um, not that the baby's a discharge, but you know, there's stuff that happens in childbirth that it's like, you know, there's discharge. Not the baby, the baby's the baby. But here in Leviticus chapter 12, <clears throat> you know, remember that life is in the blood. And for that's for the female and for the male, remember, I mean, that's for all of us that life is in the blood. You know, it, literally, if you slit your wrist, I'm not saying slit your wrist, but I mean, if you slit your wrist, you're going to die. You're going to bleed out and die. Why? Because life is in the blood. Your life is going to pour out. That's why there's certain... Uh, vein locations on the body or if you cut it you know it could lead to relatively fast death because you have these major major uh, uh, blood flows and you know you slice here you slice there and they're dead and you know they're gonna fall in 10 seconds and you know less than a minute they're dead because the, their blood is just gonna pour out life is in the blood and remember, you know, the wages of sin is death. So what does that mean? Life for life. In the law, it, there was an animal substitute. But being a shadow of the things to come, there's the Christ substitute. Jesus Christ, the sacrificial lamb. So life is in the blood. Life for life. Old Testament, New Testament, life for life. For the male, and we're not going to touch on it too hardcore, but for the male, there's the progenitive aspect of sex. You know, yes, uh, sexually speaking, there are certain feelings and arousal, you know, that come with sex. But if that's all you think there is, you're in trouble, man. If you think sex is all about the feelings you get, arousal, and if you say, okay, that's it, you're in trouble. And when I say progenitive nature, don't forget the Lord loves godly offspring. Your seed leaves your body, oh man. And a piece of you leaves with it. Straight up, a piece of you leaves with it. Don't forget that the Lord desires us to have the fullness of life. And not life as experiential in the world. The fullness of life being a life in Christ. It's a shadow of the things to come. And, you know, procreation, it's not a bad thing at all. Not a bad thing at all, but it can be. You say, what do you mean procreation is a bad thing? Well, you know, a guy and girl come together unmarried. They start to have their babies unmarried. That's what I mean. It can be a bad thing. And if that's you, if you're listening to my message and you have like kids 
and you're out of wedlock, repent. You need to be right with Christ. Repent. That's not right in the eyes of the Lord. You need to repent. If you've repented of it already, you know, praise be to the Lord. You now have God's covering over you. You're okay. You're in the clear. And a lot of men, you know, they, you know, get girl one pregnant, girl two pregnant, girl three pregnant, girl four pregnant. And, you know, they have to move all the time because, you know, these women are looking for them, you know, to pay child support, garnish their wages. And they don't like that. So they get job after job after, you know, they're job hoppers. Because they've gotten all these girls pregnant. So as I say, procreation isn't a bad thing at all, but it can be. What does it look like outside of marriage? What does it look like inside of marriage? Inside is marriage. Inside of marriage, the marriage bed is holy. It's pure. A husband to the wife, a wife unto the husband. It's holy. And, you know, outside of marriage, it's unholy. What I'm telling you is be holy. That's what the Lord says. Be holy for I am holy. Brother Peter writes about it as well. Be holy for I am holy. What's holiness? Read the word of God. Study the word of God. The Lord will teach you what holiness is. The Holy Spirit will. And where you're found wanting, repent. Repent. A lot of marriages have fallen apart. You know, sometimes uh, people get, they don't get married. You know, they pretend they're married, but they're not married. They say, oh, it's just a piece of paper. It's just a piece of paper. Really? That's kind of a lame excuse. Men who say that, oh, it's just a piece of paper. I'm not going to get married. It's just paper. That's garbage thinking. Garbage, garbage thinking. It's not just a piece of paper. It's a commitment. Commitment to the wife of your youth. Are you afraid of commitment? That's the issue. A lot of men like their freedom. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'll be with this girl, and then next year I'm going to be with another girl, and then the following year I'm going to be with another girl. And, you know, I might stay with her a long time, but when she starts to get chubby, when she starts to get wrinkly, I'm gone. They don't like commitment. You know why? Because they're carnal. That's why. They're not men. They're boys. Little boys. And if you're listening to my voice and you're a man and I'm describing you, repent. You need the covering of Jesus Christ. Make yourself right with Him. And then make things right in accordance with what the Word of God says. You might not have any money. You might have to live in the poorhouse because you have to pay child support. Get yourself right with the Lord. You know why? Because He's coming again. Jesus Christ is returning again. Don't forget also that what the Lord is doing is that He's building a nation of kings and priests. The, 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 the nation of kings and priests, it's being established. This, we're at the very, very beginning. The very beginning. And this nation of kings and priests is being established. We're at the very beginning. And I mean, there, there are so many deeper, 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 deeper implications of this law for the future of Israel moving forward. From Leviticus 12. 
And we're going to see as we get into, you know, first and second Samuel, the Kings, the Chronicles, we're going to see where people are obedient to the Lord and we're going to see disobedience to the Lord and we're going to see what happens. We're going to see what happens to homes, to families, to tribes, to Israel, to Judah. We're going to see all these things. People say, oh yeah, we're victorious in Christ. Okay, it's true. When you abide in Christ, you have victory in Christ. Victory over sin in Christ. Victory over the carnal nature in Christ. The question is, will you abide in Christ and stay abiding in Christ? I could say it deeper and deeper still. If you're married, husbands, your wife is betrothed to another. Wives, your husband is betrothed to another. And I'm speaking about Jesus Christ. So there's these certain aspects and things in the law which serve us to teach us the Lord's perspective on things. Remember, life is in the blood. And we're going to talk about, you know, blood for the woman. Life is in the blood, but then, you know, progenitively speaking, you know, there's, you know, like in sexual relations, when semen leaves a man, there's, progenitively speaking, a portion of you is leaving your body. And the Lord desires us to have the fullness of life in Christ. In Christ. And so we're going to talk about these certain topics about emissions of the body. Male, female. Today is just, you know, female. There's some male connotations, but for the most part, it's largely female. Let's turn really quick to John 10. <clears throat> John 10, verse 10. John 10, verse 10. And the Lord shows us a contrast between Satan and himself. This contrast. And this is what he says in John 10, 10. <clears throat> the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. That's Satan's portion. And now here's the Lord's portion. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. It's the fullness of life, but it's life in Christ. That's what the Lord wants. We haven't even really gotten to our, you know, the certain topics of Leviticus 12, but, you know, as a little introduction into things that we're going to discuss in terms of bodily discharges and emissions, it's very important because what the Lord shows us is His perspective on things. Don't get me wrong. I used to be very open to my carnal beliefs. You know, if it feels good, just do it. And all that it implies, as disgusting as it is. But those are things that I'm dead to. Because I reckon the old man dead, reckon the old woman dead. A lot of pastors give worldly counsel. A lot of elders give worldly and carnal counsel to a carnal people. And what does that mean? The leaven in a church grows. It's not biblical. It's not to say, oh, okay, you know what? You're going to burn in hell. Thus saith the Lord, you shall burn in hell. No, I, nobody has that authority to say that. 
to tell a person they're going to burn in hell. Nobody. Only the Lord can judge. But a person who has taken the plank out of their own eye can see clearly to tell another brother, to tell another sister, hey, you know what? This, what you're doing, it's not right before the Lord. These, God has men and women like this. And, you know, these are people that should be in church ministry, male and female, should be. It's not always the case. The majority, it's, majority of times, it's not the case. You have carnal people in seats of authority in the church. But it shouldn't be that way. You know, be ye set apart. Consecration. Remember all these things that are given to Israel, it was applied first to the priesthood. And I'm not advocating the law. But it was given first to the priests. Why? So that they can be ministers. Just like as New Covenant believers, we read the New Testament, what happens? You know, the disciples became apostles. And what did they do? The apostles made disciples. You see? Be a disciple first. Allow the Lord to do a work in your life, a work in your heart, a work in your mind. And then what happens? The Lord will tap on your heart and say, I got a job for you to do. I want you to tell this guy this. I want you to tell this girl this. And you know what? If the Lord puts that on your heart and you don't say it, it's on you. Don't let it be on you. Be obedient to the Lord. When the Lord puts it on your heart, hey, I want you to say this to this guy. I want you to say this to this girl. I want you to say this to this congregation. The Lord tells you to say something. You have to say it. You have to. Regardless of what, you know, a person might think about it. You know, like, I I tell somebody, hey, you know what? Your sexual relations, not being married, it's not right before the Lord. You need to repent. And then a guy shows me her picture. Oh, look at this picture. Oh, and they swipe on their phone. Let me swipe. I'm going to show you a good picture. You know, full body shot. Check this out. Number one, I don't want to see that garbage. Number two, I'm not an idiot. I'm not an idiotes in the Greek. People say, oh, that's not biblical, you know. You're supposed to show truth and love. I'm giving truth and it's loving to give you truth. What would be mean for me to do? What would be cruel for me to do is to withhold truth. That would be cruelty. People say, oh, I don't like how you say this. I don't like how you talk you know, about sexual things with my 13-year-old boy. Do you know what your 13-year-old boy is talking about with his friends? Oh, I don't like how you say these things. My daughters are listening. Good. They need to understand these things too. They themselves need to be vessels of honor. You know what young teenagers are doing? They're watching pornography like crazy. Boys and girls. Boys, you know, for you know, because they're stupid, number one. Girls, because they're stupid as well. But they want to learn how to perform for the guys. And say, so, oh, okay, I got to look like this, so I'm going to watch this video. And I have to perform sexually like this, so I'm going to watch this video. That's what's happening in the world in which we live. 
So I'm not going to give warning and say, parents, you know, you can make that determination for yourselves. But the days are getting darker and darker. Kindergartners are learning about, you know, sex education. Kindergartners are learning about masturbation. You say like, oh, I'm shocked. Yeah. Don't let it. It's the world. We live in a fallen world. You know, sometimes, you know. In in a combat scenario. Being shocked can kill you. Because you're immobilized. I mean, what if you're in a bunker, you know, and it's like, you know, fire is going all around. And you have responsibilities for your field of fire. And if you're shocked from the battlefield, the things you see, heads getting blown off, you know, arms getting blown off, and you're like shocked. You know what? You're, you're, you're a liability on the battlefield. I don't mean to put it like that. That's kind of carnal in saying it that way, but it's a true, it's reality. There is a sheer violent aspect of combat, of battle, that is shocking. Very shocking. But the same exact thing applies to our lives in Christ. There is the shock value of the world. There is the shock value of the carnal nature. Don't let it immobilize you. Yeah, it's shocking, but don't let it shock you to the point where you're immobilized. You know why? Because you have to respond, Christian. You have to respond accordingly in a manner that will honor the Lord. And if you tell your kids, oh, I don't want my daughters to hear this. I don't want my daughters to hear this. I don't want my sons to hear this. I don't want my sons to hear this. You know what's going to happen to your sons and daughters? They're going to get sucked away. They're going to get pulled away. Because the current of the world is strong. Satan's a fisherman too. And he'll take your kids. He was a murderer from the beginning. Just like the Lord tells us. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. That's what he does. He steals, he kills, and he destroys. And that's what Satan will do to your kids. He'll steal them. Steal them away from you. Steal them away from Jesus. And then he'll kill them. And then what will happen in the aftermath? You'll be destroyed. So I talk about the shock value of, you know, combat. But there's a shock value as Christians when we see the world around us. Which is getting darker and darker and darker and darker. And we're just in the beginning. This is nothing. It's going to get so much worse as love waxes cold and as the ministry of the Holy Spirit lifts away from the globe. You know how dark it's going to be? So I know there is the impulse to say, oh, I don't want my little daughters to hear this. I don't want my little sons to hear this. Don't forget that kindergartners kindergartners age, they're teaching kids about masturbation. They're teaching kids about homosexuality, transgenderism. So choose. So let's look what happens here in Leviticus chapter 12, verse 1. 
<clears throat> then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, And here's the rule. If a woman has conceived and born a male child. I love how there's no separation between conception and birth. A lot of, uh, you know, uh, leftists, a lot of liberals, a lot of Democrats. You know, they start, they say, oh yeah, there's this uh, major Democrat female in California. She says, a child is not considered a human being. This is her official statement. A child is not considered a human being until it leaves the threshold of the hospital doors. So while it's in the hospital, it's not considered a legal human being. That's what this person leans to. And this is what a lot of mainline Democrats, they adhere to. Republicans too. But on a very large scale among the Democratic Party. The socialist movement. You see, you read the Bible. If a woman has conceived and born, a lot of times when you hear about birth and conception, there's no, there's no deviation nor separation between the two. He says, when if a woman conceived and born a male child, <clears throat> then she shall be unclean seven days. Now, he, people read this. Say, what, is it bad to have babies? Is, is it evil to have babies? No. But it can be. I mean, picture a mom of four boys. You know, four boys ranging from, I don't know, uh, 10 to 15. And you tell these boys age 10 to 15. Oh, you know, it's beautiful to have babies in the Lord. You know, you're Christian. You have a Christian wife. You marry these, you know, these women. <clears throat> and you have babies. It's beautiful in the eyes of the Lord. She would be right. And then fast forward 10 years later. Where each of her four boys have one child. Each of her four boys have one child. Out of wedlock. No wife. And they're on girlfriend number five. So it's not bad to have babies. It's beautiful to have babies. But what does the Lord teach us? Within the confines of marriage. So, you know, when I say, is it bad to have babies? No, but it can be. That's my, you know, but it can be part. Don't forget that what's happening. This is the very early stages of the establishment of a kingdom of priests. Kingdom of kings and priests. And don't forget that righteousness exalts a nation. It's not to say, look how smart this girl is. Look how smart this guy is. Let's make her an official. Let's make him an official. No, it's righteousness that exalts a nation. That's what the Bible teaches. Righteousness that exalts a nation. <clears throat> it says, Then she shall be clean, unclean, seven days. As in the days of her customary impurity, she shall be unclean. So it's very similar to the menstrual cycle. Remember, life is in the blood. You know, the... Menstrual cycles, you know, I'm male, so, you know, I don't experience that, but I mean, like, it's blood leaving the body. Blood is straight up leaving the body. You say, well, is that unclean? Is that unclean? Well, you know, you see a picture of the Lord when he wants blood. He wants you to have the fullness. 
This, this is in accordance with the law, remember. You know, it's like he likes blood inside your body. He likes semen inside your body, you know. Female, he likes blood in your body. Male, he likes semen inside your body. When there's discharge, there has to be atonement for those things. You say, oh, does that mean having babies is evil? No, it's beautiful in the eyes of the Lord. Just do it His way. Do it the way He prescribes. Follow His prescription. Follow His recipe. Which is what? Get married, have babies. You know, keep the marriage bed holy. Keep yourselves holy. Keep your children holy. When your kids get older, they're going to have to make their own choices. Whether or not they be holy or not. You tell your, you know, your mom of four boys. <clears throat> you tell your boys, oh yeah, get married, have babies. It's beautiful in the eyes of the Lord. Which is true. But then they go out and start having babies. They forgot the marriage part. That's why I say, you know, let your boy, I'm male. Let your boys hear what I'm saying. You have young teenagers, let your teenagers hear what I'm saying. They need to hear it. You know why? Because nobody's saying it. Nobody teaches them about semen and how God views semen. I've talked with a lot of young males in the church, Christians. They have problems with pornography. They have problems, you know, very loose living. And they think, you know, having a baby is a bad thing. Having a baby is a beautiful thing. They say, oh, okay, she's on the pill. She's taking birth control. That's even worse, young man. That's even worse, old man, whoever you are. That's even worse. Because you are officially a partaker of the murder of your child. The murder of your seed. Because your seed goes in the female. And then, you know, that whole process. And she's on birth control. She's taking the pill. She's taking some concoction. That's going to kill your seed. So she won't get pregnant. You say, oh yeah, but nobody knows. We're sexually active. Nobody knows. We're sexually active. My seed is being killed. Nobody knows. God knows. He sees. He sees it all. And what does he say? You need a covering. Repent. See? Old Testament, New Testament, we need a covering. And so, you know, this is something when we see in, in verse 2, as in the days of, custom, of her customary impurity, she shall be unclean. That's like the straight up menstrual cycle. You know, that process. Uh, or not a process like, you know, but, you know, the menstrual cycle. And it's different with baby girls. So this is what we're talking about baby boys right now. It's different with baby girls. And we're going to touch on that, you know, in a little bit. Look at verse 3. <clears throat> And on the eighth day, the flesh of his foreskin shall be circumcised. I think this is so beautiful. Not the actual law of circumcision, but as new covenant believers, what the Lord is showing us straight up in Leviticus, in the law. On the eighth day, the flesh. Now this flesh, it, it, there's no carnal connotations here like in a spiritual sense. It's straight up literal, like the nakedness. It literally translates as nakedness. It says the flesh, it's the, 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 the nakedness. Remember in Genesis 3, 
Adam and Eve in the garden, and they were naked. And the Lord asked Adam, you know, like, where are you? Adam comes out. I was hiding from you. I was hiding from you because I was naked. You know, we're naked. And Lord, who, the Lord told him, who told you you were naked? Who told you you were naked? The Lord knew already. But you're going to see in, in the Old Testament, New Testament, the Lord loves. He requires the acknowledgement of sin to say, Lord, I have sinned. Lord, I made a mistake. Lord, I blew it. That's what he desires. A lot of people don't like to admit that. Oh, yeah, once saved, always saved. Yeah, it's okay. I'll go ahead and, you know, cheat on my wife. I'll go ahead and do this. Beat on my wife. I'll go ahead and take this crack. I'll go ahead and do this. Prostitute over here. Prostitute over there. Eh, once saved, always saved. I did an altar call when I was 10 years old. No, the Lord desires the acknowledgement of sin. That's pride of life that says that. That says, oh yeah, I won't save, I will save. I'm good to go. I don't need to do. No, you need covering. And so, you know, look what happens here. On the eighth day, the flesh of his foreskins shall be circumcised. And you know, remember Adam and Eve in the garden? Who told you you were naked? And so what happens? You know, they were wearing their leaves. They had, the, you know, the, like, you know. You know, we didn't want to see you because, you know, we were naked. Who told you we were naked? And so what happened? The Lord gave them a covering. Tunics of skin. Tunics of skin. I love that so much. Tunics of skin. You know what that means? There was a blood sacrifice. There was an animal. I don't know what kind of animal it was. But there was a blood sacrifice. Life for life. Remember, the wages of sin is death. Life for life. A blood sacrifice. Straight up Genesis 3, blood sacrifice. That's like at the very beginning. In the law, what? Blood sacrifice. Life for life. Because life is in the blood. So on the eighth day, the flesh of his foreskin shall be circumcised. This is from Genesis 17. The, the law that the Lord gave to Abraham... You know, circumcised on the eighth day. This is the law that Moses almost broke when God wanted to kill Moses. You're like, whoa, Moses was a vessel. Yeah, he is a vessel. I mean, he's a vessel being used here in Leviticus 12. Look at verse 1. The Lord spoke to Moses. Well, don't forget the Lord wanted to kill Moses. You know why? Moses would have been a hypocrite. Moses would have been a hypocrite. Being a messenger of the law, being a hypocrite to the law, because the law of the circumcision. You know who helped him? His beautiful, beautiful, beautiful wife, Zipporah. Moses, what are you doing? You're going to kill us. You're going to kill us, Moses. She takes a child, boom, gets a sharp rock, and, you know, circumcision right there on the spot. Takes the foreskins and throws them at, at Moses' feet. I love Zipporah. She's hardcore. Mo the Lord was going to kill Moses. Take his life. He doesn't like hypocrisy. The Lord straight up doesn't like hypocrisy. You know what that tells me? 
Don't be a hypocrite. You know what I tell you? Don't be a hypocrite. Be holy for the Lord is holy. So let's look really quick to John chapter 20. Turn to John chapter 20. <clears throat> John 20. John 20. <clears throat> Verse 24. Beautiful doubting Thomas. Matthew, or uh, John 20, verse 24. Now Thomas, called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with, with them when Jesus came. So Jesus appeared to the disciples, and, but Thomas wasn't there. Verse 25. The other disciples therefore said to him, We have seen the Lord. So he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of his nails and put my hand into his side... I will not believe. That's like Thomas is laying it out. He's like saying, hey, I'm not going to believe unless I see with my own eyes. The disciples say, you know, Thomas, we saw Jesus. Thomas, I'm not, I'm not, I don't believe it. Unless I put my finger here, unless I put my hand in his side, I will not believe. Verse 26. And after eight days... You see, eight days. The Lord is showing us about circumcision. What circumcision really is. In verse 26, And after eight days, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace to you. Shalom. That's what he says. Peace to you. In verse 27, then he said to Thomas, called him out, reach your finger here and look at my hands and reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. You see, he straight up, you know, he, he said eight days before, I'm not going to believe. I don't believe. And I will not believe. Eight days later, Thomas believes, my Lord and my God. Verse 29. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. That's you and me today. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. That's you and me today. And all who believe. So Thomas straight up said, I will not believe. Eight days pass. I believe. You know why? Circumcision of heart. Straight up, circumcision of heart. That's what the circumcision is. Remember, the law is a shadow of the things to come. The circumcision, we're going to get to Romans pretty soon. And in the book of Romans, Paul has something to say about circumcision. It's not. He says some people who are, are Jews, they claim to be Jews. They're not really Jews because they don't have the circumcision of heart. They might have a bodily circumcision. But they don't have the circumcision of heart. It's much deeper. The law is a shadow of the things to come. Points to Jesus Christ. Belief in Jesus Christ. Circumcision. It's about belief and unbelief. Faith and no faith. That's the difference. Circumcision, uncircumcised. Belief and no belief. It's all about belief in Jesus Christ. 
circumcision of heart on the eighth day. That's what happened to Thomas. Beautiful, beautiful brother Thomas. So let's go back to chapter 12 in Leviticus. <clears throat> and a lot of Christians too, you know, in verse 3, what a lot of Christians do is, you know, they like to, they have little boys, and, you know, a brand new baby boy, you know, a freshly born baby boy. And what they like to do is circumcise their boys on the eighth day in accordance with the law. They like to, it's symbolic of their commitment to the Lord. Me personally, I mean, that's okay if, you've done, if you do that, if you've done that, that's, that's fine. But me personally, I, I don't like it. That's just me personally. Not to, you know, cast judgment. <laughs> but it's the law. It's the law. Salvation doesn't come by the law. It doesn't come through the law. If, if salvation came through the law, then Jesus Christ died in vain. It's rubbish. No. Even the circumcision, circumcision itself <clears throat> is a shadow of the things to come. Speaking about our belief in Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Look at verse 4. She shall then continue in the blood of her purification 33 days. Remember, boys is different for girls. We're talking about boys still. She shall then continue in the blood of her purification 33 days. She shall not touch any hallowed thing. Anything that's consecrated and holy unto the Lord, she can't touch it. Can't touch it. Because of her impurity. Not that having a baby is impure. The baby is not impure. But remember, <clears throat> given this law, think of all the babies that are going to be born under this law. In Israel, all the babies that are going to be born under this law. Think of all the babies that are going to be conceived under this law. And think of all the babies that will be conceived under sin in the law. So this law covers a multitude. Not just here and now, but for future generations. And when I say here and now, I don't mean today. I mean here and now in Leviticus 12. So from Leviticus 12, moving forward, think of all the babies, not that are going to be born. Remember, there's no separation between conception and, and birth. It's just a nine-month duration where the baby has to grow inside the womb. But from conception, think of how, how these babies are conceived. I mean, look at the world today. How are babies conceived? Some are conceived on the marriage bed, holy unto the Lord, which is the good way. And some are conceived other ways, which is the bad way. You know, a guy gets his girlfriend pregnant, dumps her, gets with girlfriend number two, gets her pregnant, dumps her, girlfriend number three, dumps her in the same repetitive nature. Same applies with Israel. So this law covers a multitude. <clears throat> And so it says here in verse 4, She shall not touch any hallowed thing, <clears throat> nor come into the sanctuary until the days of her purification are fulfilled. So in accordance with the law, she's unclean. Don't enter the sanctuary. For the woman, don't enter the sanctuary. For the church as new covenant believers, if you're unclean before the Lord, come in the sanctuary. 
Come in the sanctuary and hear the word of the Lord. And faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the word of the Lord, you have to choose. Are you going to accept Jesus Christ or are you going to reject Jesus Christ? That's your choice. Once you've made your choice, stay clean. You've been cleansed from sin, stay clean. Don't be like a pig and you know roll around in the mud. Don't be like a dog and roll around in the mud. Like a dog returning to his or her vomit. Don't be that way. Go and sin no more. That's why Paul, he has to write a letter. He, inspired by the Holy Spirit, he writes a letter to the church in Corinth. He says, you know what, guys? Your rejoicing isn't a good thing. I mean, picture a large church today. They, everybody goes to church. You know, they dress up nicely. You know, they go to church. You know, they have this appearance of like, wow, you know, giving the best to the Lord. Wow, look, I have my Sunday best on. I got my suit on, got my nice dress on, got my nice whatever on. I'm wearing this. Oh, yeah, Sunday best. It's for the Lord. Give Him the best. Go and sing. Oh, yeah, I'm going to sing my best. It's all for the Lord. Praise the Lord. That's the outward showing. What's happening in the heart? What's happening in the mind? Yeah, you might have the appearance of giving everything, you know, giving, you know, everything good for the Lord. Giving your Sunday best, wearing your Sunday best for the Lord. But what about the garment of your heart? Where's your garment of praise unto the Lord? No, you're giving the outward appearance of, you know, your Sunday best for the Lord. But what you're really giving to the Lord is scraps. Why do that? I mean, if that's the case, that's what happened with Corinth. Paul wrote a letter and says, you guys, your rejoicing isn't good. Look at this carnality that's in the church. Don't you know that a little leaven leavens the bunch? He says, take that brother and kick him out. He's making you guys rotten. He might infect the church. He might infect other brothers that want to go out and have wanton sex like this guy. He says, kick him out of the church. Commit such a brother to Satan. For the destruction of the flesh. You get into 2 Corinthians. He says bring that brother back. But it's pretty hardcore. What Paul writes to the church. I wonder how many pastors would tell a brother. You know what. You know I've fallen in love with you brother. You know spiritually speaking. I've fallen in love with you. But I don't want you to come here anymore. Because you're living in the fellowship. I've told you once, I've told you twice, I've told you thrice. Which is already more, you know, Paul writes to the in the pastoral letters to Timothy and Titus. He says, you know, give a brother two warnings. There's no like, you know, three strikes, you're out. You give a brother warning number one, warning number two, warning number three, maybe four, five, six. It's not to say you haven't forgiven. You don't forgive, you know, 70 times seven. But for the sake of the church, for the sake of leaven, not, you know, leavening the bunch. You say, you know, I love you. I fall in love with you, my friend. And I do consider you a friend. You can call me. You can text me. You can do whatever. And I pray you do. But I don't want you to come to this fellowship anymore. Because, you know, you're in church. 
you praise the Lord, you sing these songs, but in the world, you have wanton sex with all these girls. You post about it on social media, you talk about it in the fellowship, and you know what? There's a young boy that's going to hear you, and he's going to think it's okay when it's not okay. And you need to repent. You see? That's how to biblically handle a situation like that. Whether it be sex, drugs, you know, alcohol. And I'm not saying, oh, you know, uh, a guy has a glass of wine, you know, and kick him out of the church. And I'm not advocating drinking a glass of wine. But this wanton sexual behavior inside the church, it's rampant. It's growing like wildfire. It's spreading like wildfire. Why? Because you don't have pastors and elders that will call them on it. You don't have pastors and elders that will say, hey, cut it out. In fact, you have pastors and elders that are excusing it. Wives, your husbands have problems with pornography because you've let yourself go. You don't dress like this. You don't work out like this so you can have a body like this. You don't wear the fake eyelashes. You don't do your hair like this. You don't dress like this. You don't perform like this. So your husband has to go to the alternative, which is pornography. Stupid pastors. Carnal pastors. And elders. No, what does the Lord say? Old Testament and New Testament. Be holy for I am holy. It's very important to understand these things. The Lord gives us His perspective on these things in the law. And so, you know, stay holy. It's not to be cleansed from sin and then go back into sin. You have to reckon the old man dead. You have to reckon the old woman dead. You had wanton sex? Okay. You know, I'm not... Well, I guess in a sense, you come to Christ, you have wanton sex, you come to Christ. You know what the Lord says? That is thrown into the sea of forgetfulness as far as the east is from the west. It's gone. Gone completely. It's not held to your account. That's grace because God loves you. It doesn't say, you know, have wanton sex with girlfriend number one, two, three, girlfriend number 100. Oh, but they they were all on birth control. Praise the Lord. Don't say praise the Lord. All your girlfriends, you had sex, you know, and all your girlfriends were on birth control. Don't say praise the Lord. You come to Christ, then I'll say praise the Lord. You believe in Jesus Christ, I'll say praise the Lord. I'll rejoice. But in this wanton sexual behavior, I do not rejoice. I say cut it out. I don't care what she looks like. I don't care what he looks like. You know, I don't care. It's to be clean before the Lord. Look at verse 5. <clears throat> now we're on the girls. I mean, we're on the females because they're the female, but like girl, you know, big girls. But if she bears a female child, then she shall be unclean two weeks as in her customary impurity, and she shall continue in the blood of her purification 66 days. So it's double for girls. You know, if you're a feminist and you're like, wow, you know, you see the males have it so good, don't be a feminist with the Lord. The Lord isn't a feminist, so don't be a feminist. Oh, but women have it so bad, don't be a feminist. I kind of see this as something beautiful. You know why? Because there's longer moments of intimacy. A mom 
unto her daughter. You know, and both unto God. I don't see it as a bad thing. You know, a lot of feminists nowadays, oh, you see, this is so unfair. The guys is half the time. Why is it like that? No, I like equality. You know, don't be a feminist. Feminism is ugly. You know, it's uh, emotionally, spiritually, it's just ugly. In my opinion, you know, I I can make a strong case about it. But I kind of see this as beautiful for the, you know, the next generation of females, the next generation of little girls being raised up in the Lord, you know, and they're like, you know, five years old, 10 years old, 15, 20, and then it's like, wow. I see this as beautiful, longer moments of intimacy. A mom unto the daughter and both unto the Lord. Look at verse six. When the days of her purification are fulfilled, whether for a son or a daughter, she shall bring to the priest a lamb of the first year as a burnt offering and a young pigeon or a turtle dove as a sin offering to the door of the tabernacle meeting. Now, this sounds bad. This sounds bad. But you know what? It's beautiful when done uh, when done right. That's not to say that you know you need you know you have a baby and you need a sin offering. Look at look at all the babies in the hospital. You go to like the baby ward, I don't know what you call it, you know where they have their babies. And you see, you know the I've only seen it in movies, but you see the glass and you see like these pods, all these babies. You know, of all these babies, say there's like 20 babies there. You know, and it's like I don't know, like all these pods of little babies. How many how many were born and conceived in a manner that was right in the eyes of the Lord? Not in the law, but in in accordance with the new covenant. How many? Of those 20, how many? I don't know, maybe two? Maybe one? Maybe zero? I don't know. What about all the others? What about a girl that gives birth to a little boy? A girl that gives birth to a little girl. And there's no husband. No boyfriend. You see? I mean, you're looking at the glass. You see 20 pods with 20 babies. How many were done right before the Lord? In a manner that was pleasing before the Lord. In a manner that had the Lord's covering over every aspect of it. And how many are uncovered? How many need the covering of the Lord? So I don't see this as a bad... A lot of times, you know, Christians, they read this, you know, and they're like, whoa, does that mean having babies is bad? Does that mean, you know, uh, is it a whole bad... But why is there a sin offering? Why is there a burnt offering? No, it's, it's beautiful in the eyes of the Lord. You know why? Because think of all the people like that, you know, 1 to 20 ratio, maybe 2, 3, 4 to 20 ratio. I know it's the minority. They say 2 to 20 ratio. Think of all the ones that need a covering. Remember, we're at the very beginning here in verse uh, chapter 12 of Leviticus. We're at the very beginning. We're going to see, like when we get to the Samuels, the Kings, and the Chronicles, we're going to see like, whoa. You know, and I'll make mention of it too. Like, you know, look at this baby that was born. And, you know, it was born... Outside the law, outside what was required here in Leviticus, you know. But because the mother performed the things of this law, the baby now has a covering, spiritual covering. So it's not that having babies is sinful. No, don't think that way. 
Sometimes you have carnal pastors that teach that. And you look in their churches and it's like, where's the, where are the young people? Where are the kids? This is few and far between. Most churches say, you know, have a lot of babies. Which is, you know, perfectly fine to have a lot of babies, but make sure you can support those babies financially. That's why a lot of moms, they use their kids as like little moms, little servants. And they say, oh yeah, I'm, I'm training my children to, you know, have a servant's heart. No, you're not. You want a slave. So you can go out, you know, do whatever, get your nails done, go to the spa, do all these things. And you have your little 14-year-old daughter, you know, being the mother, caring for your, your babies, all your 10 other babies. You're not trying to teach, give her a servant's heart. Only the Lord can give a heart, you know, change a heart. You can't. That's what you see in the church today. A lot of husbands, oh yeah, I want, I want my kids to learn a servant's heart, how to be a servant. No. Number one, pray for it. Because only the Lord can change their heart. I mean, if you're a husband, oh yeah, I want my kids to have a servant's heart. No, you're not. You don't want, you just want a slave. Uh, you know, it would, it would be nice, you know, to have a kid say, hey, you know, mow the grass. Hey, clean the house. You know, hey, take out the trash. It'd be, it'd be kind of nice. But, you know, we, we're going to get to Thessalonians again. You know, we've already gone through the study in Thessalonians. But don't be a burden to the church, a financial burden to the church. You know, it, not to say that, you know, if you have financial needs, you can't go to the church because you certainly can. But then the pastors, the elders, they have to measure things biblically. You know, okay, you know, we'll, we'll pay your groceries this month. You know, that's fine. We'll do that. We'll, we'll, we'll float you through this month. But then next month, you know, what are you doing? Are you still playing video games or are you going to get a job? You know, that's what the Lord teaches us. Don't be a financial burden. Read Thessalonians. Paul has to write to the church. You know, there's some freeloaders in the church. He says, if you don't work, you don't eat. But no, the church today is adhering to this social gospel, turning, in, turning Christians into communists. No, we're supposed to be Christians, holy Set apart for the Lord, not communists. People say, oh, Jesus was a communist. No, he wasn't. No, he wasn't. Remember, he took talents away from people. He's not a communist. If he was a communist, he'd give talent. Oh, yeah, here's a talent for you. Talent, more talents, more talents. No, but he withheld talents. When the people weren't, they weren't spending wisely. Very important to understand these things, especially in the last days, because it's getting darker and darker and darker and darker. And so look what happens here um, in verse 6. When the days of her purification are fulfilled, whether a son or daughter, she shall bring the priest a lamb of the first year as a burnt offering and a young pigeon or a turtle dove as a sin offering to the door of the tabernacle of meeting. So it's beautiful. It's not a bad thing at all. Remember, the Lord is establishing a kingdom of priests, a kingdom of kings. Kings and priests. Old Testament and New Testament, New Covenant believers. That's the church when we receive our glorified bodies. There's, people think, oh yeah, I mean the rapture, which is a beautiful thing. But don't forget, during the millennial reign of Jesus Christ in our glorified bodies, we have jobs to do. Now, that's for the Lord to decipher. That's for the Lord to say, okay, you're going to do this. You're going to do this. I don't know what it's going to be, but that's for the Lord to determine. 
and give you this special ministry. He gives a ministry today. Be obedient. Be Fulfill those things. What the Lord gives you. Because it's building blocks. You're being trained for your ministry in your glorified body. Whatever it might be. Be obedient to Him. You know, people think short term. Think long term in our glorified bodies. Look at verse 7. Then he shall offer it before the Lord. I love this so much. You know why? There's many aspects of the Old Testament and even the New Testament. There are many aspects of the law which are male-centric, especially in the law. Very heavily, heavily male-centric. But this is so beautiful because I love it. It's for moms. Beautiful, beautiful moms in the Lord. Because it's you know a mom to the priest with offerings unto the Lord. You see, and it's all for a covering. A covering for herself, a covering for the kids, a covering for the home. See, for a home to be beautiful in the eyes of the Lord, for children to be beautiful in the eyes of the Lord, for the mom to be beautiful in the eyes of the Lord, to have this covering. Remember, blood has left your body. And because life is in the blood, like a portion of your life has left your body. To have atonement. Say, hey, you know, it's like a spiritual transfusion. Or I don't know what they call that. But when you have like a little bottle of blood or a little baggie of blood and they stick you and they give you more blood. It's kind of like that. I don't know if that's called a transfusion, but you know what I mean. That's what it's like. It's like spiritual, a spiritual covering. That's what I love so much. A lot of things are male-centric in the Bible. And it's not a bad thing. It's the way the Lord wants it, desired for a purpose. But then there are very special ministries that women have. Just like, you know, Lois and, uh, uh, oh, I forgot her name. So beautiful. I forgot her name. Lois, uh, Timmy, Timothy's grandma and grandma, uh, grandma and mom. Lois and Eunice. Beautiful, beautiful, special ministries unto the next generation. Just like here in the law, beautiful, beautiful ministry unto the next generation, whether a boy, whether a girl. Yeah, it's double for girl, the time periods, but praise be to the Lord. It's special moments, an extra longer time of intimacy with the daughter, the next generation, so that she can do the same thing with her boys, her girls, when she has boys and girls. You see, it's an investment in the next generation. It's beautiful. In verse 7, Then he shall offer it before the Lord and make... And one thing about the priest, remember the priest in the previous chapters in Leviticus, it was for the priest first. Why? So that they would be able to minister to the people. You don't have defunct priests. I mean, a couple of Aaron's kids were when they didn't honor the Lord. Uh, Nadab and Abihu in chapter 10. And, you know, you're going to see more defunct priests in the Old Testament. You see more defunct priests in the New Testament. You know, with the high priest. We studied that on, 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 on last Sunday with the sons of Siva. Defunct. Just like there's defunct pastors and elders. And I don't mean to you know, say, wow, you know, you really talk heavily against pastors and elders. I might. But if you're a pastor and elder listening to this, be holy. Don't be a hypocrite. Because the Lord wants to use you. 
You need to repent. And you know, if if you're not, if the Lord didn't call you into the ministry, if you're just doing because you want to feel good about yourself, and you want to, you know, seem like you're popular, it's not a popularity contest. It's just the opposite. I mean, if you're a God fearing and God loving pastor, you're gonna have more people hate you than more people love you. <laughs> it's part of the gig. <laughs> hate to tell you. Actually, I don't hate to tell you. I love to tell you. You know, but praise be to the Lord. It's beautiful. In verse 7, then he shall offer it before the Lord and make atonement. Oh yeah, this is what I was saying. So, you know, the Lord had to clean the priests first so that the priests were now able to minister. But the same thing happens to pastors and elders, ministry teachers, Bible teachers. The Lord has to fill you your uh, new wineskin. The Lord has to pour new wine in you so that you're so full of His new wine. And then the outpouring, that's the ministry. And people taste. People taste. And the Lord pours into you. And then in the overflowing pours into others. See? In verse 7, Then he shall offer it before the Lord and make atonement for her. And she shall be clean from the flow of her blood. You see? Clean. The process of being unclean to clean. Is having babies unclean? You know, it can be. It doesn't have to be. That's your choice. You know, I mean, if you're a female and, you know, I don't care how cute this guy is, you know, you want to have sexual relations? Oh, but it's okay. I, I'm taking the pill. Don't be a vessel of murder. No, it's okay. Look how cute he is. I don't care. He needs to propose to you. I need to answer. You, you need to answer him. Yes or no. Oh, but, you know, he, he tells me it's just a piece of paper. I don't care. He's a fool. I mean, I hate to tell you. I don't hate to tell you. I like to tell you. Not to hurt you. But to help you. Oh, yeah, he's so cute. He asked me to marry him. I'm going to say yes. Or I said yes already. We're engaged. You know, it's okay. Let's, let's look at the walks. Wife or future wife. Uh, uh, I don't know what you call an engaged girl. Engaged girl, you know, what does your walk look like? Engaged guy, what does your walk look like? With the Lord. Forget the other person. With the Lord. You know, someone's wishy-washy. You tell the girl, you know, you're going to be a helper to this guy, and you know, you got a lot of work to do. <laughs> you know, is this the guy you want? You know, as we're talking, you see him gawking at all these other women, checking out all these other women. You know, is this the guy you want raising your kids? Maybe, you know, make the engagement longer or maybe cut it off. And just say, hey, it's not a good fit. And I, it's not that I want to break up a, a future marriage. But you have to think about these things and pray about these things and seek the Lord. In all things, seek the Lord. A guy says, oh, yeah, look how gorgeous she is. I'm going to marry her. Okay. Uh, to me, that's even worse. Because when you're, you know, 60 years old, you know, the Lord's going to say, you remember the wife of your, your youth? <laughs> you're a 60-year-old man, you know, a dirty old man. You see these dirty old men all over the place. You see them in the church. Dirty old men. Their eyes are wandering all over the place, checking out the younger women. 
fools because no one ever told them, hey, remember the wife of your youth. The wife of your youth, remember her. I can't tell you how many times I've talked to old women who are single, not because their husband died, but because their husband left them for another woman. And you have these old women, wrinkly, chubby. They love the Lord. They fear the Lord. And I think they are so immensely beautiful. Gorgeous, spiritually speaking. Gorgeous. Spiritual knockouts. And it breaks my heart that their carnal husband left them. Fools. Because nobody ever told these guys. Hey. Take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Nobody ever told them to, you know, whatever's virtuous and praiseworthy and just and noble to think on these things, meditate on these things. Nobody ever told them, reckon the old man dead. You know, you had sex with all these other women. Reckon that old. That's the old man. He's dead in Christ. You are a new creation in Christ. Be alive in Christ. Don't be a dog that goes back to the vomit. Nobody ever told them. Nobody ever told the younger generation, hey, you know, be mindful of your loins. The seed that's in your loins. Nobody ever told them about semen and what the, how the Lord sees it. Discharge. Nobody ever told them. All these men in the church. I've had these talks with men before. Oh, it's okay to admire. I can look, but don't touch. Look, but don't touch. Stupid. People say, oh yeah, I'm, you know, this, this woman, she's a heathen. She's going to make me stumble. I was like, no, she's not a heathen. She, she's just a female. You're, you're the one with a sick mind. Where do you allow your minds to go? You know, she dresses this way. There's nothing wrong with it. You're the sicko. What's going on in your head? It's disobedience unto Christ. What do you mean I can look and don't touch? Well, bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. You're not doing that, brother. Repent. And because nobody has ever told these men these things, you have these old, wrinkly, chubby women in Christ. They love the Lord and they fear the Lord. They're 80 years old, 70 years old. They're wrinkly. They can't walk anymore. And they are gorgeous. Gorgeous. But single. Because their carnal husbands left them. Maybe they were the women were feeding the flesh. Feeding the carnal nature of their husbands, ex-husbands. And now they're alone. Who's going to take them? Carnally speaking, who's going to take them? Alone, single women, Christians. Husbands are still alive. They just left them. They're not, you know, widows. Husband didn't die. You see? That's why I say, maybe I should have said this earlier. (laughs) But that's why I say, let your kids hear this. Because they need to hear it. Young boys need to hear it. Young girls need to hear it. If you're a young girl and you have a boyfriend, and your boyfriend says, oh yeah, you know, let's take our love to the next level. Stupid, dump that guy. Social distancing. You know? 
straight up. Hey, get out of here. I don't want you. Or if your dad, you know, got your mom that way, well, your dad set the bar really low. You know, don't don't get a, a guy based on that standard. Get a guy based on the standard of the Lord. And pray, and the Lord will bless you. Don't forget, you have a husband, capital H. You have a husband already. You're a believer in Jesus Christ. You have a husband already. You are engaged already. You're engaged. The very moment you believe in Jesus Christ, you're engaged. There will be a marriage one day. So you have all these guys, oh yeah, will you marry me? Or yeah, let's date. Or, you know, let's go out. Let's do this stuff. You're engaged already. If you believe in Jesus Christ. And parents, let your kids hear these things. I won't get, you know, I'm callous from the world. I have a certain crassness. If I was speaking to just men and men only, I would be a little bit more hardcore. Because men need to hear it. Because what do you see in the church today? You see a little a bunch of little boys. You know, they're the mama's boys. They have the umbilical cord still attached. They like to be with their mama. They're still on the bottle. They haven't grown up. Yeah, they're men. They're, they look like men. They have facial hair like men. They have muscles like men. Some of them don't have muscles. You know, they dress like men. They can put on their pants. But you know what? They're little pull-ups. They're not big boy pants. They're little boys. And I'm not talking smack about men. Maybe I am. (laughs) But be holy, men. Be holy. For the Lord is holy. Look at verse 7 here. And she shall be clean from the flow of her blood. This is the law for her who has born a male or female. You know, this is in accordance with the law. Uncleanness in accordance with the law. Let's turn to Luke chapter 8 really quick. Luke 8. And here in Luke 8. In Luke 8. In verse 43 says, now a woman having a flow of blood for 12 years. Now, this woman had an encounter with Jesus Christ. And she had menstrual. When you, when you read it, like in the Greek, it's like menstrual. That menstrual cycle. It was unstoppable. This is what Dr. Luke is writing. Straight up, Dr. Luke. And he's writing about this medical condition of a female. Now, a woman having a flow of blood for 12 years. Me personally, spiritually speaking, you know. I believe it's symbolic, you know, one year for each tribe. That's just my personal beliefs. I could back that up too, but, you know, that's beside the point. It says, now a woman having a flow of blood, so a medical problem, mentally speaking, for 12 years, who had spent all her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any. So you see the limitations of doctors to heal, you know. She takes all her, all her livelihood. She didn't take all her livelihood and buy cars, amass all these assets, you know, buy houses, buy property. No, you know what she did? She spent it so she can get healed on healing. In accordance with the law, she was unclean for 12 years. That's in accordance with the law. 
Because you know what we touched on already in, in, in Leviticus? The flow of blood. So she's unclean for 12 years. Look at verse 44. Came from behind and touched the border of his garment. In verse 42, it says, As he went, the multitudes thronged him. So there's this big crowd of people all around Jesus Christ. And you have this woman who's had this flow of blood, menstrually speaking. She couldn't be healed. She spent all her livelihood. And what does she do? She touches the border of his garment. And immediately her flow of blood stopped. You know, the doctors had failed her. She spent all her money, all her livelihood on doctors, on physicians. I don't Maybe she was a patient of Dr. Luke. I don't know. Maybe Dr. Luke caught wind of it from another doctor. And now she's healed immediately. She's healed. The doctors had failed. And here you have healing. And Jesus said, who touched me? When all denied it, Peter and those with them said, Master, the multitudes throngs and the multitudes throng impress you and you say who touched me you know carnally speaking and no offense to the lord it's kind of a silly question you know all due respect to the lord i'm not no offense to the lord but for him i mean put yourself in that scenario this big crowd of people big humongous crowd of people and for him to turn and say who touched me it's kind of silly not not the question in itself or the, the implications of the question, but the question is kind of like, like, what are you, like, no disrespect. But that's what Peter's saying here. Like, the multitude's strong impress you, and you, you say, who touched me? It's like, everybody's touching you, you know? Like, all these hands, they're all over you. Everybody's touching you. But Jesus said, somebody touched me, for I perceive power going out from me. Remember, she touched the garment. She, 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 she touched the border of his garment. And he perceived power going out from him. Good verse 47. Now when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling. I love this woman so much. She came trembling. Remember, she's unclean in accordance with the law. Maybe the townspeople knew like, oh, this woman's unclean. Don't touch her. All this crowd is surrounding Jesus and all she could do was just stretch out and reach and touch the corner of his robe. Maybe she was already, she couldn't come up, approach him. Because imagine the people, oh, this is, this is that lady, you know, she, she can't be healed. No HIPAA laws back then either. You know, so word spread. Maybe a doctor said something to a neighbor, the neighbor said, so maybe they knew this woman is unclean. She's bleeding for 12 years. She's unclean, don't touch her. And remember, you know, we haven't got there yet, but in the law, when you're unclean, you have to wear a certain clothing and cover yourself, not expose, like, you know, everything, your head, everything has to be covered because you're ceremonially unclean. And when somebody approaches you, you have to say unclean so they know not to come near you. So like, you know, if you're walking down the sidewalk and somebody's coming towards your direction, they're just going to pass you. You have to tell, you have to say, shout, shout out, unclean, unclean. So they know you cross the street and not come near you. That's what you'd have to say. Unclean. They'll pronounce your uncleanness. So imagine the people when they knew like, wow, this lady's unclean. Don't touch her. Get, don't get near her. She's unclean. And what happens? You know, she's, she came trembling and falling down before him. I love this so much. This beautiful, beautiful woman in the Lord. She's unclean. In accordance with the law, she's, you know, unclean. 
ostracized. Think of how alone she must have been. To tell everybody, unclean, unclean. How could she get groceries? How could she be like a, you know, a, 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 a so-called normal person? Where everywhere she went, she had to pronounce unclean. Ostracized from culture. Ostracized from society. She's fearful. She can't hide anymore. Verse 47 says she was not hidden. She's not hiding. She can't hide. And what does she do? She falls before Jesus Christ. She falls down before him. And she's also brave. Because look at what she says. says She declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. You see? She was unafraid. She didn't you know, run away and say, oh, it wasn't, wasn't me. I didn't touch you. It wasn't me. No, she declared to him in the presence of all the people. She acknowledged the Lord in front of all the people. That's what Jesus says. Whoever acknowledges, acknowledges me before men, I will acknowledge before my Father in heaven. And that's what she's doing. She's unafraid. She's brave. In verse 48, And he said to her, Daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. You see, faith, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. I love how Hebrews 11 says that. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. I mean, you think of substance in a scientific sense. It's actually, you could touch it. It's a substance. It's tangible. And faith is exactly that to those who have eyes to see and ears to hear. There's a substance behind faith to those who have eyes and those who have ears. This beautiful woman who was healed went from uncircumcised to circumcised. You see? You say, wait, but she's a woman. How could she be circumcised? Well, I don't speak to the carnal. Remember, circumcision, biblically, it's spiritual. It's much deeper than the physical. It's about belief in Jesus Christ, just like Thomas. Exactly like Thomas. I won't believe until I see Jesus Christ. I'm not going to believe. Eight days later, in accordance with the circumcision, I believe. You see? Circumcision isn't about the physical circumcision. It's about belief. That's why I say this woman is of the circumcision. You say, well, I still don't get it. You know, you're, she's a woman. She can't be circumcised. Well, I speak to the living. Be alive in Christ. So let's go back to Leviticus. <clears throat> in Leviticus 8. And if she is not able to bring a lamb, then she may bring two turtle doves or two young pigeons, one as a burnt offering and the other as a sin offering. So the priest shall make atonement for her and she shall be or she will be clean. You see? It's so cool how you see this because the bleeding woman in Luke 8. The lamb came to her and she was healed. That's in accordance with the new covenant. The fulfillment of the law. The lamb came to her and she was healed. Everything points to Jesus Christ. 
You see, we look at these passages, you know, especially in chapter 12, we look at these passages and it's not to say, okay, let's perform these things of the law. No, righteousness doesn't come through the law. The law is a shadow of the things to come. Speaking about Jesus Christ, but what about circumcision in Jesus Christ? Being uncircumcised and then circumcised, it's a matter of belief in Jesus Christ. Just like Thomas, just like the bleeding woman, and just like you today, just like you and me today. Uncircumcised ones and of the circumcision. You see? Praise be to the Lord. We're going to end our study here. We'll pick up uh, next week in chapter 13. Lord willing. God bless you. Love you.